In late 2019, less than a third of U.S. Protestant churches were live streaming. By April 2020, that proportion had increased to almost two-thirds due to COVID-19, and even more are streaming now. So, what lessons have we learned from the pandemic? Our guest, Ryan Giesemann, will share his research next on the Church Solutions Podcast. It's the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by StreamingChurch.tv. The Church Solutions Podcast is all about helping you and your church with technology and other encouraging ideas for ministry. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. Welcome, folks. It's the Church Solutions Podcast, and it's episode number 387. And my name is Phil Thompson. And I'm Steve Lacey. We have a guest today, uh, Steve, but, but, but before we introduce our guest, uh, we always want to let people know we've got things going on that would maybe interest them, and we've got another webinar coming up July 18th. What's this webinar about, and how can people get involved? This webinar is titled Unleashing the Power of the Online Church Service, and we have a pro at that, a uh, world-renowned author. Jason Moore has written the book, Both And, is going to walk us through how to effectively maximize both your online and your in-service church services. All right. Good deal. We've had Jason. Go ahead. In-person church service, I should say. In-person as well as uh, online. We've had Jason on before on on our Church Solutions podcast. He'll be a lot of fun. And I follow him on Facebook. He's always got stuff going on. And uh uh, maybe he'll talk a little bit about AI. You know, you never know, right? And he's he's really in on that. So anyhow, so let me introduce our guest here. We'll get right to it. Uh, uh, our guest uh, has been involved in media and technology since the seventh grade. Uh, that was a couple of years ago. And uh, <laughs> he, he holds a degree in uh, television production from Ithaca College and uh, a master's degree in information uh, information systems from Penn State. He's currently the chair of the Communication and Media Arts Department in Lancaster Bible College. He's teaching courses in media production and in communication and live production in majors. Uh, and when he's not behind the camera or in front of the computer, he's, he's a family man and he likes movies. Would you welcome everybody to the Church Solutions podcast, Ryan Gieselman. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for inviting me. So, Ryan, uh, let me kick off the questions here real quick. Uh, Steve wants to jump in here, but we will stop him. Uh, I also noticed that you like movies. What's been your favorite movie so far this year? This year? uh, Well, I just saw the new Guardians of the Galaxy with uh, my son. So um, that's that's the most recent. And I would probably say my favorite. I'm a a fan of the Marvel movies as well as Mm -hmm. and, and I would say even within the the Marvel Universe, the Guardians of the Galaxy, are yeah. that's my favorite franchise. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Have you seen that, Steve? I have not. My uh, one of my kids is into those, and he's he's watched it. I have not been a purveyor of uh, superhero. Yeah. My son, <laughs> my son. I don't think my son's seen it, but he he likes it too, and he's he's almost twenty five now. But anyhow, well, Ryan, Ryan, thank you so much for being with us today. We're glad to have you here, and. Uh, Thanks for being our guest. Uh, we'll let Steve kind of kick things off here so, and see if we can. Well, the, the first one, completely unrelated. You mentioned okay. that he's uh, since the seventh grade, and he's only a couple of years out of that. Did you guys <laughs> see the um, recent new hire from Elon Musk? No. Uh, so on, on no. The, 
he hired a 14 year old kid to head up or not head up, but be a part of his space satellite program. Supposedly a child prodigy. I don't know if he's got a advanced technical degree at 14 yet, but it's, he's, he's, I think he's, he's already graduated high school and, and probably college, but they didn't give well, it. You know, it's, it's not rocket science. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was just no, interesting. interesting. He's 14 years old. And yes. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. uh, so we're going to talk today, I guess, about live streaming lessons from the pandemic, did we have a pandemic recently? Is that what <laughs> did I hear about that somewhere? So, uh, so yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that, and we've got an expert here with us. So, uh, Steve, why don't you see if you can stump Ryan here with some questions? All right. So, Ryan, you are um, you've written a paper, and you're going to be speaking at a conference that we're going to be a part of as well, mm -hmm. the uh, Capture Concert Conference in Dallas. So. Um, Give us uh, a little introduction of the primary, or w what's the topic, you know, in a, in a few sentences. Sure. I, I should probably give a little bit of background to so that everybody just doesn't think that I'm an academic who just went out there and started looking at, at churches and live streaming. I actually spent 14 years as the video production director at LCBC Church in Mannheim, Pennsylvania, um, which is a church of... Uh, multiple sites at this point, probably upwards of 20 different locations. Uh, and when I left, uh, we were running around 16,000 uh, attendees every weekend. I think they're closer to, to 20,000 at, at this point. So it was so, a small church. Okay. It was a small church. Yeah. yeah just a yeah. little country church. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to stop. I'm going to shut up here. Go ahead. <laughs> so some of my interest in this area comes from my experience uh, in the church, in the local church. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't always that size. When I started there uh, at the beginning of my career, it was still probably in most people's uh, definition, still a mega church, but 2,500 people as opposed to 10 times that amount. So that's, that's kind of where this all started for me. And I was part of a lot of the conversations regarding live streaming over the course of those 14 years as live streaming technology improved to the point where churches could use it. Um, we had a lot of conversations about should we, shouldn't we, how should we, how should we not. Um, and so when 2020 hit, and I saw the sudden increase in churches bringing on this technology because they had to, they didn't really have much of a choice. I became very interested in researching how did that process happen for churches? What are their thoughts as they come out of the pandemic and people start attending church again? Will this continue? Are they going to hold on to it? Um, and that sort of thing. And so I did a lot of research in the, the late summer of 2020 and continuing that now as I pursue a PhD, I'm, I'm working on this as part of my dissertation as well. Oh, okay. Well, that's, uh, so were you a part of the church in March of 2020 or were you already had moved on or? I had moved on to higher education at that point. Now I, I still keep, I still attend the church where I worked at LCBC uh -huh. church and I still keep in contact with many of the people there. And so even, uh, prior to the, the paper in the midst of, of writing the paper that you read, Steve, uh, we, d we held a workshop for churches to help them through this transition where uh, people from 
LCBC Church, Victory Church in the area, a bunch of, of churches uh, where I have connections. We brought in their experts and we did a workshop online for, for people to say, okay, you, you've, you've been forced into this world of live streaming. How do you do it well? And so we held a, an, I think it was a two hour online workshop for churches that was, that was well received. So you, there's, there's a base theory in here, the diffusion of innovation, which is kind of a, a life cycle of innovation, right? That, that yeah. there's, and it falls into the, you know, there's, there's some early adopters that are doing things early. And then there's the, um, well, actually the, there, this was made pop, this whole thought process, if I'm thinking of the right stuff and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but a book written a long time ago called Crossing the Chasm. Does that, are you familiar with that? I'm I'm not. Um, oh, okay. And there, but there, there are a lot of folks who have looked at this idea of diffusion. Uh, most of the research that I've done has been based off of Everett uh, Rogers, who coined the term diffusion of innovations. Um, and his initial research was really in the, the realm of Midwest farmers and how does an in a farming innovation diffuse across that social structure of, of a farming community. So does it parallel that this um, crossing the chasm guy wrote it from a business perspective mm -hmm. and said, I'm introducing a new you know technology. And so there's some early adopters and they there's a certain personality and, and type of people there. And then it moves into late adopt or not late adopters, but uh, uh, there's phases where Correct. there's right. the middle where by by the time you reach maybe a third of the way into the innovation, everybody's looking at it going, I'm not one of those early adopters. I wasn't going to try that early on. But now that looks promising because, you know, one out of three of my friends are doing that. So they jump in and it completely, um, you know, then it, it just snowballs. And right. so people, more and more people get into it and to the point where there's the laggards, they call them, the right. laggards are the guys that said, I'm not doing that. Not going to do it, not going to do it. And then towards the end when what three quarters of everyone is already doing it, then they're, they're saying, okay, I'm going to do it. Everybody's doing it. So that kind of wave, I can't remember what the, the middle is. There's called. the, um, there's the early, um, you said the early adopters, there's the late majority. Um, and so the, those are the middle, you know, the, the, the largest, <laughs> A yes. chunk of people are are the uh, the early they're the uh, the majority there. So so uh, you're hitting yeah. all all of the same things. So most likely, my my guess is that that book was written based off of this uh, diffusion of innovations theory. But yes. that just goes to to show how this theory that was kind of developed out of the agricultural community has now been used in multiple areas, including business and, and technology. Yeah. So streaming, live streaming, I mean, we've been a part, we've been providing live streaming since 2008, 2009. So this is long before the um, pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of, we were kind of watching things go and we were twisting the arm, convincing the early adopters to get in and some of the the people beyond that. And and if we hadn't had a, a pandemic, it would have probably followed the natural curve, right? Right, right, right. And and we kind of see that because um, you know, it was by by late 2019, less than a third of churches were live streaming. 
It was about 32% of Protestant churches in the United States based on research that Lifeway research did. Um, that, that was the, that was, you know, less than a third. So um, in, in late 2019, you had a one in three chance of, of your church actually having a live stream. And then uh, they, they redid that research in April of 2020 and it had jumped to 67% from late 2019 to oh, okay. mid 2020. Yeah. yeah, so of 4 weeks after the pandemic had hit. Yes. So it went from 30 to 60 and then eventually but, to it's what is it today? Uh the last uh number that I saw is from uh 2022, January 2022 and that was 84%. So I imagine yeah. we're even higher than that at this point, but um, you know, more than more than three quarters, uh, you know, moving up towards 90 percent of churches. So as this accelerated wave hit, I mean, there's the majority of church, churches were force fed this. Right. Right. That you you have no choice. What what is your study work shown, you know, that how people have reacted? Some are like, oh, my gosh, I had to swallow it, but I didn't want to or um What's what is it? What's been the outcome of that? Yeah, so it was interesting from the standpoint of most churches had had considered considered it already prior to uh, the pandemic. Um, you know, in in early March of 2020, you know, 100 percent of churches were meeting in person. By the last weekend in March of 2020, only seven percent of churches were meeting in person. And so, like you said, that's what drove that sudden increase in live streaming. Um, but I think what we saw was even though churches had maybe considered it, they hadn't really come up with a plan, nor had they really thought through the reasons why they were doing it. They were, they were forced to do it. Um, but they didn't really, they hadn't really come up with the goals for live streaming for their church. At that point, it was just, it was just so that they could still be a church that they could still meet um even if it's electronically or virtually uh, but they hadn't really come up with their goals for the live stream they hadn't really come up with the purpose for their live stream and they really hadn't come up with what the success look like in in our live stream these were all conversations that uh when i was part of lcbc church we were having why would we do this what would the goal be who would it be for um, you know, are we okay with somebody attending online versus attending in person as the ultimate goal for them to show up in person? Or is it okay if they just hang out online? These are all conversations a lot of churches didn't have the ability to to have. They they weren't um they they weren't given that opportunity to kind of think through that because they were forced to do it suddenly. Mm -hmm. And one thing I noticed was as we went into this environment, even you know, my church was streaming. And a lot of churches were streaming prior to the pandemic. And so there was a um, kind of a formula for how you stream. It was a lot of times was it was a camera in on the live service and the live congregation was kind of part of the whole thing. And then everything changed. And did we, um, is there, was there, um, I know that some churches experimented with stuff. Yeah. I took that as an opportunity of, we no longer have, you know, a full choir or uh, there's there's no one in the building. So do we do we do it like we've always done? Do we keep the camera in the back over everyone's heads or 
um, at our church, I know they, they moved into a um, kind of a, a panel church deal where they'd have two or three speakers up there sitting kind of, kind of was a, a Larry King live kind of thing. So did, uh, are there, were there churches that experimented that, that really got some momentum out of this and what's changed after the pandemic when people came back? What have you seen? What's yeah, there's a, a researcher from the UK named Tim Hutchins and he, he describes the different ways that people do church online as uh, transmitting, which is basically, we're just taking what we already do and we're transmitting it out o- online versus transforming where we're taking what we do in person and we're transforming it into something that works better for the online audience. And I think what we saw during the pandemic, because there there was that separation between, well, there is no in-person anymore. So whatever we're doing online is the only thing we're doing. You had a lot more of that transforming, a lot more of that experimentation of how do we do this in a way that that is going to work really well, is going to translate well. Um, so, so, so go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say, so, so that's one of the lessons learned, but, but let's get a little more practical here. Cause I'm, you know, if I'm a pastor listening to this thing, you know, I'm hearing these two guys talk, but I mean, all right, what are the, what are some of the practical lessons that were learned yeah. <laughs> during the pandemic? I mean, one of them is not do the cut and paste thing probably, right. The, just, I just throw a camera up there and, and, and stream it. But there's some other things that they learned, right? Yeah. Versus transforming. Yeah. 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 So one very practical thing that, that um, my church that, so I'm just an observer now, right? I'm not involved in any of the decision-making at my church, but as an observer, something I saw them walk through during that time was the first weekend that nobody was in the building. They acted like nothing had changed, right? Everything happened exactly the same way. The cameras were in the same spot and we were just observing the room. The, 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 the pastor wasn't even looking at the camera. He was still acting like there were people in the room, even though there weren't the next weekend, the pastor started to engage the camera because that's where the audience is. The audience is in the camera. Then they moved they were like, why, why are we on stage? We're not in front of an audience. <laughs> so then they moved down right in front of the camera because again, the audience is right in front of the camera. And so um, now they've, you know, since that time moved back to the stage because there is a large audience. But one thing that they did keep is they had started to use a teleprompter during the pandemic because they wanted to engage the audience. They wanted to look straight into the camera lens the entire time. And they had always used notes. So it wasn't like anybody thought they they had their sermon memorized to begin with but they've now used they they have a large television that's right under that main camera position and so instead of looking down at their notes constantly they are constantly engaged with that camera because they're they're working off of a teleprompter yeah that's great yeah it's funny you're describing that it's exactly what our church went through and you know finally go why do we have a camera in the back why are we up on stage you know and they they set up a little chairs with it was kind of a like a you know a late night talk show kind of thing and brought in associate pastor to help you know so it wasn't just one guy talking the whole time yeah interesting yeah so that's one way i mean one thing that i think we've learned is that the online audience wants to feel like they're part of it too and if we're just acting like you know they're a fly on the wall and they're just observing everything then we're not actually engaging with them because they are behind the camera and so the online audience wants to feel like they're part of it as well right. has there been other engagement lessons learned or why 
Uh, let's start with this. Why why is engagement important or is it important? Well, I think it, that comes back to the question of why are we doing this? What's our purpose? What does success look like? If success is just people are able to see what happens in our room, then you can really do it however you want to. But if you want your online um, campus or online experience to be part of your church community, right? Community is a two-way street. Um, I And so if, if by coming to your website and I'm just able to watch your service, I'm not engaging in any way. I'm not uh, there's there's no feedback loop there. And so providing an opportunity for those folks who who join virtually to be able to um, engage in community, whether that be a chat that's open uh, and moderated so that they can ask questions, they can have conversations, uh, or at, at the very least, an opportunity for them to provide prayer requests or feedback after the, the service in some meaningful way that is actually going to be responded to. And this all involves people, right? In the same way that uh, if somebody attends in person, they would be able to have a conversation with a pastor after the service. The, those online have to be able to, to have those same conversations in some meaningful way. Yeah. So the you know some detractors out there may say, well, it's not really engagement unless I'm there and I can hug them and, you know, uh, shake their hand and that sort of thing. What, uh, what would you say to that? Is there, is it, is it a form of engagement? Where do you, where do you, where do you put yourself on that? Well, so this is just my, my personal take at this point, right? I, <laughs> this is not based on any research other than the research in my living room, but my family is not as engaged when we're sitting in our living room on our couch with our phones in our hands than we are when we're in the church service, sitting in the seats, uh, engaging with what's happening on stage. Um, and so, uh, you know, to some extent, I agree, Steve, that it's not the same. Uh, and so that becomes more of a personal decision. Uh, you know, in my family, we're we're going to show up in person as often as we possibly can because I think my kids get more out of it when they're there in person as opposed to sitting at home. Yeah. So you talked about in your paper about the um, church online, the Life Church platform, and kind of their focus was to uh, move towards engagement. And you kind of talked about how they had, you know, that was kind of a central focus. And so they experimented with a bunch of things that would um, enhance that. What Tell us more about that. Yeah. And the church online platform is one of, of uh, a handful of, of uh, platforms that are out there to help with this. Um, but having those uh, moderated chat uh, function that kind of functionality built in as part of that having that that ability to to submit prayer requests very easily is all kind of built into that and baked into that and that is uh that that's part of that idea of of engagement the other way that i've seen churches do it and and even our church does it is they have a a campus pastor for the online campus and so there's a particular personality, uh, somebody that you know is your pastor as as a member of that uh, that community online, um, who's welcoming you, um, who's uh, giving you uh, sort of announcements just for the online community. How can you get engaged? 
And um, the other thing that some of those churches that I've talked to have talked about in terms of engagement is offering serving opportunities to those who who are are part of that online community. Um, at LCBC, our discipleship model is is gather, connect, serve, and get out. Not get out, but uh, I'll, I'll explain in a second. <laughs> gather, so that's a, <laughs> that's attend. You know, attend the the weekend services, right. uh, connect in a small group, a life group, and so churches that really believe in their online community will create virtual small groups. Um, uh, serve. So how how can we offer opportunities for those in our online congregation to serve in a meaningful way and be part of the church body in that way? And then get out is get out into the community and be a, a light in the community and serve in the community in some fashion. And of course, that doesn't have walls on it. So anybody can do that. Um, so it's really those, those two middle pieces that um, churches that want to engage their online community really need to focus on. How are we offering opportunities for them to connect meaningfully? And how are we offering them opportunities to serve meaningfully? Yeah, I just, uh, we just published a blog, among other things that we do here at streamingchurch.tv. We have a blog and we just, I just published a blog yesterday about how interactivity with streaming video is, in my opinion, is so important. Uh, the blog is blog streamingchurch.tv. But enough of myself glossing. Well, no, let me keep going. Because I, as you were saying that stuff, uh, Ryan, I, I'm really proud of, of what uh, Michael Gray and, and, and myself and some others at Alive Church, which is now Steve's church, they fired me years ago, but uh, they didn't fire me. But um, I'm really proud of what we were doing back in 2008, 2009, 2010, because a lot of the stuff you just mentioned, Ryan, we were doing, we had, we had web hosts from across the country weren't even in Tucson who were part of our web host team in Ohio and Pennsylvania. And uh, we had groups that would meet during the week that were part of that online thing. Uh, I really think, I don't know if we just did it. We didn't do it by accident, but I think we did a good job of connecting people. And I still feel, feel at least I feel like that is still missing in, in a lot of the live streaming today for many churches out there. I mean, they're just, they're streaming it and maybe they've got innovative enough to, to do some different camera angles <laughs> and do some different things. But I, I think as a whole, the, the, the live chat and the interactivity, I think is missing from a lot of that. Would you, just from what you've seen, would you agree with that? Well, and I think part of, yes. And I think part of that is when, when people get into this sort of at an entry level, they're using some of the off the shelf free, um, platforms that are out there, whether it's yeah. YouTube live or Facebook right. live or, and so some of those things just aren't baked in. You might get some chat functionality on Facebook. You might get some commenting functionality on a YouTube stream. Um, but to have something that's moderated and have a host out there and to have uh, the ability to do prayer requests and, and giving, I mean, tithe, tithing is part of, uh, being part of the church family as well. So having that be integrated in some meaningful fashion, um, is all part of it. And so moving from one of those free off the shelf platforms to something that uh, may have some more functionality that's meant for yeah. online church will, yeah. will move people in the right direction. Yeah. And you're probably not aware, but we've been doing this for a while and we are streaming church. We only serve churches. So we're all of our tools that you, that, you know, you're, some of them you were just mentioning were, are kind of built into our system. We even have some 
uh, tools unique to us that uh, aren't available on like church online platform is like an automated follow-up system where you know people are tracking uh, from the church's standpoint who's who's a first-time visitor who's come back you know that sort of thing yeah so trying to just take some of the things that churches understand and do when for the in-person service that they somehow overlook for the online service and i think that happens with a lot of the churches why do you think that is I mean, that uh, they'll just well i i i think it it's because of the you know of the old it's the way we've always done it so it's it's hard to think about the online audience as a community in and of itself i mean it's part of the church body and i think a lot of times when people first take steps into this they're thinking of the live stream as a a like one weekend solution you know i'm going to be out of town but i can watch the service or uh i'm i'm sick so i'm going to stay at home but i can watch the service as opposed to somebody who starts joining you from another state um because they feel connected to your community for whatever reason it, maybe they've moved out of the area and they they want to stay connected with the church um or it's just they, they did a search and they were they landed on your website um but if if they're connecting on a weekly basis in that in that manner if if, if you believe in your online community as a community then that that engagement needs to be there to help sustain them as a christ follower um, and not just a, a casual observer of what's happening in your sanctuary yeah we're, we're running out of time here but yeah, let me ask you one more question, Ryan. Uh, so the pandemic is subsiding. What do you think, just your opinion, what do you think, what's what's happening in the next five years when it comes to technology and streaming video? What do you see that going in the next five years for church organizations? Well, I think we're probably at a point right now where people are wrestling with are, are we continuing the way we've been doing it? Are we changing anything? And I know that we've all heard the stories of churches that really struggled with getting people to come back to the building after uh, the pandemic. And, uh, you know, anecdotally, I would say that I've, I'm still seeing that at my church, that the in-person attendance is still lower than it had been in 2019. And some of that can be attributed to, it's very easy to stay connected with the church without being in the church. Um, and so churches will have to wrestle with, are, are we okay with that? Are we okay with somebody's only experience with our church being the online community? Um, and so that may shape how they look at and, and, and shape their, their online service. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So, uh, we're out of time here, uh, Ryan, we sure appreciate your, your time with us. So how can people get a hold of you if they have any questions? What's the best way? for people maybe to reach out to you? Sure. Um, so my my full-time gig now is uh, at Lancaster Bible College. Uh, so my email address is rgieseman, that's G-E-E-S-A-M-A-N, at lbc.edu. Um, you can also find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram and all the, all the things, all the socials. Yeah, yeah, good deal. All right, good. All right, so uh, folks, if you missed all that or you just you know can't remember it, uh, if you're driving down the road or something, you can always reach out to us at support at streamingchurch.tv or just go to streamingchurch.tv. We have a live chat, and if we're not live, uh, we'll still get your message. 
but if we can help you in any way, please let us know. And we've got stuff going on. So uh, get around to it. Check out our website, streamingchurch.tv, and go to the resource menu because uh, we've got things. We we what The whole reason we do these podcasts and have guests like Ryan on is to really just encourage you uh, involved in ministry and as a volunteer or a leader in some capacity, we want to help you any way we can. And uh, that's why we provide the resources. So uh, Ryan Giesemann, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. I hope it was helpful. And stick around for a few minutes after I stop the recording, because we want you to meet one of our guys here at the uh, at the company here. And Steve Lacey, thank you. All right. Glad to be here. And most of all, thank you, folks, for being a part of the Church Solutions Podcast. I'm Phil Thompson. Please take care of yourselves and each other. We'll catch you again next time on another episode.